Who's ready for a good word this morning? Today I'm going to be sharing on something that I'm very passionate about and have been for a very long time. That's worship. And we've been looking at the last month, we've been focusing on worship and we've been talking about prayer and our devotional life. Today we're going to be focusing specifically on what worship should look like here at church when we come together. But there's a few things that we need to know before we come together. You see, before you go to battle, you got to get ready. you got to prepare. So this morning, what's going to happen is I'm going to share a little bit about preparation, what we need to do for preparing ourselves to worship. Pastor Andrew's going to come up and he's going to share about what actually happens when we go to battle with a song in our hearts. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you've got your Bibles, which I know you do, go to Joshua 5 verse 13. We're looking at the Battle of Jericho this morning, a great warfare worship story. Um, Before we get to that, we need a little bit of context, a little bit of history. Moses was a great man. Was Moses a great man? Awesome man. He came before Joshua and God came to Moses in a burning bush encounter to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to the promised land. What a calling. Was he successful with that calling? Well, actually, no, he was not. He got most of it. He got most of it, but he got them to the front door of the promised land. He didn't quite get them through the door. And the reason for that was, is he sent 12 spies to scout out the land after they'd gone out of Egypt. They'd gone through the, uh, the desert and they'd gone right up to the front door of the promised land. He sent 12 spies out and they took 40 days and they came back to him with a bit of a property report, a bit of an investment report to see if it would be good for his portfolio. Um, so they said, okay, Moses, look, the investment opportunity is here. It's, uh, this land is ripe for the taking. You're buying low, it's going to go up. There's milk and honey there. It's great. The views are excellent. Great infrastructure. Um, however, you want to be an owner-occupier, there are some tenants there. And the problem is they don't really want to go and they're in these giant fortresses that are 20 feet tall and they're throwing stones at us and it's too scary and we can't, we can't be dealing with it. So you can claim the land, just don't go. Ten of them came back with that report. Now, there were two in that group, Joshua and Caleb, and they came back with a different report. They said, okay, well, yes, the land is fertile, the land is good, it's a great place to be, and those tenants, they've got to go. They will go in Jesus' name. Um, And because that was the promise that was given to them. But Moses listened to the ten, and as we know, God said to them, okay, for the 40 days you spent scouting, I'm going to curse you for 40 years. You're not going to go into the land. And as a result of that, the 10 spies, they ended up dying. 40 years, 40 years of a whole generation of Israel ended up dying. Moses himself ended up dying. He didn't end up claiming the inheritance that was given to him. And Joshua is there having his report ignored. And now we fast forward 40 years and we're here in Joshua 5.13, if you look in your Bibles. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho. It came about when Joshua was by Jericho. We're going to build a bit of a picture right now of where Joshua is. He's um, stood there observing Jericho. He is leading this nation. And I reckon he probably had a bit of a troubled mindset. I think he had a lot going on in his mind. He is leading the nation of Israel. He's got all this expectation and burden upon his shoulders. He's um, also probably dealing with the fact that his report was ignored. You know, I'm sure he's a patient man. He stuck with Israel, but his report was ignored. He was suffering for the mistakes of others. I'm sure that may have played on his mind. And so he's got all this burden, 
yet he is doing one thing that is really, really important. And I think this is the key to great preparation in worship, and that is great worship starts with waiting. So what Joshua did is he took himself away from the camp where Israel was, and he took himself to where Jericho was, looking upon Jericho and putting himself in front of his obstacle. But this is the same thing that Moses did, right? Moses encountered God in times of waiting with the burning bush. It was him by himself. When he went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, it was him by himself. When God passed over him with the glory, he was by himself. It's in waiting. It's a prophetic act. What you're doing when you wait and prepare yourself by waiting is you're trying to tune yourself in to what God's saying. You may not necessarily hear anything straight away, but you're trying to still yourself in your situation to hear what God's saying. What Joshua did was took a step to the side. He didn't run away from his problem. He didn't run away from the pressures that he was experiencing as leader of Israel. But he took a step to the side, observed everything and stilled his soul so that God could minister to him. And um, we've experienced that sometimes on Sunday mornings. Um, we, as a worship team, come here early on a Sunday morning to rehearse, to prepare for you guys. We don't just get up there and play. Sometimes I wish we could. But anyway, we go and prepare. And some mornings are great. We have great mornings. This morning we rehearsed. It went really well. Other mornings doesn't go quite well. I remember one time, and put your hand up if you remember this story, where we, ha we were rehearsing away. It was all going well. And then a bird decided it didn't want to be outside anymore. It wanted to be in this room. Who remembers that? That was a fun morning, and we had this bird flying from corner to corner to corner, and we were trying to shepherd it down there, and we had to turn off all the lights, turn the sound off, get this bird out. It was leaving deposits everywhere. It was chaos. Now, for me as a leader, I've got this bird flapping in my head because that's what we've just experienced for the last half hour. But um, with 10 minutes to go, we've only rehearsed one song, and it's like, what do we do? Now, my response couldn't be, okay, guys, rehearsal didn't go quite well, so... 10 minutes to go, tell you what, we'll just cancel worship this week. We'll see you same time next week. No. I have to lead. I have to get up there because we're all ready to go to worship, aren't we? Yeah. So what I'll do, I'll go and sit down somewhere. I'll go in the parents' room. I'll go in my office and I'll just wait for five minutes or one minute and just wait upon God and just center myself because great worship starts with waiting. If you're not focusing on what God's trying to say or trying to tune yourself in, you're going to miss what God's saying in your life. So this is what Joshua did. He took himself out of the noise of his nation and the camp and he took himself to a place of stillness and he observed the giant he needed to take down. So waiting, that's the first thing. Are we going well? So we're going to keep going through Joshua. So now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us? Or for our adversaries. Verse 14, he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. I believe this man that Joshua is speaking to is Jesus. And out of this period of waiting, Joshua got an encounter with the living God. And there's something I find kind of funny as I was looking at this. You know, Joshua asked this guy with a sword, a question. He goes up to a man with a sword. Brave man, for goodness sake. Like, that shows you how brave Joshua was. But also the question he asked, he asked um, this man a question, are you for us or are you for them? And I find the answer kind of odd because it's not, the answer isn't us or them, it's no. If I was Joshua, I'd be like, no, it was simple, multiple choice. You, you, it's not other. You, I didn't give you another option. It was just one of the two. But that no 
We're going to focus on that no. That is a holy no. It is an anointed no. It's a special no. And it reveals a lot about where we need to be in worship. And I think if we understand why Jesus said this, it's going to underst- we're going to understand a lot about what we need to do personally to prepare ourselves for worship. And that thing is posture. Now, I'm not talking about straight backs, though a key to a great back is good posture. But a key to great worship is spiritual posture. What are you giving your fullest attention to when you worship, even at home or when you're here? What are you focusing on? You see, worship is all about what you're giving your attention to. You're physically bowing down towards one thing. And the, and the trouble is, sometimes, and I've been there, when we've got a problem or a crisis or some pain, then the problem, crisis or pain can be the thing that we focus on in worship. It can be the thing that fuels our song or fuels our prayer. And the problem is we can allow that to dictate the direction of our worship. But the problem is if you focus on your problem, I really believe that change will be a struggle because you're trying to focus on how is the problem going to be fixed. And this is what Joshua was doing at this moment. Joshua was trying to develop a plan. He's leading a nation, so obviously he's got a bit of military understanding. He's a warrior. He's scouted the land. So he's trying to develop a plan as he's standing there looking at Jericho, right? So he's probably thinking, okay, I'm going to need tanks, maybe, you know, missiles, C4. Hang on. Thousands of years in the past, we haven't got that. Okay, maybe battering rams or ladders. No, we haven't got that because we've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, we've got swords and spears. Maybe we can chisel our way in. I don't think that's going to work. They might notice. So, the thing I took away from that no that Jesus is saying is very interesting because I don't think God was against Israel, right? He's taken them out of Egypt. They're his chosen people. He's certainly not against Israel. And I don't think he suddenly changed sides to Jericho. He's not like, now I'm with these guys, sorry. No, this no that's being said is to the plans of Joshua. He's saying no to Joshua's plans. This is why the response is, I come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. He's declaring who he is in the situation. The authority of that situation didn't sit with Joshua and Israel. It sat with God. We understand that. We understand worship. It's like Jesus is saying, Joshua, I'm not for your plans and ideas. This isn't your battle. I'm in charge here. I've got the know-how. I've got the strategy. I've got the army. You see, Joshua is only seeing what he sees physically. And I'm sure he did understand this. You know, he's seen God move before. But in the, in the, in the chaos of the moment, with this pressure in his mind, he's seeing the problem in front of him. How am I going to get through that wall? But there are things that are going on in the spirit that we cannot see. We understand that. We understand worship. Jesus is saying what you're seeing is Israel versus Jericho, but what he is saying is there is a greater war at play and I am asking you, Joshua, to partner with me. It's not the other way around. So when we come to worship, we partner with what God's doing and guess what? He tends to fix the problem, but by his way. Stop looking down at the problem. Start looking up at the solution. And this was a real pivotal moment for Joshua. If you look back at Joshua 5.14. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? Joshua has won in this situation. This is a major shift because he's gone from trying to develop his own battle plan, his own strategy to try and see victory for Israel. And now he's got what 
God is saying he's partnering with the plans of God and he's doing that by posturing himself in worship. He's focusing on God. He set aside his plans and he's partnering now with God's plan. In this moment, Joshua has properly encountered God. And that thing is available for us as well. You know, I had a situation in my life, you know, a little while back where I really got to learn this good and proper. Um, you know, we just moved to a new town and we moved into a, a house. It was very exciting, but, which, we, which we owned, but suddenly things started getting a bit tough. And uh, I began to, you know, we see things weren't as prosperous as they should have been. In fact, things started to get basic. I won't say poor, because I don't believe at any point that I was poor, but things were tough. And um, I remember there was one time when I was just after high school, I just finished high school and I was working on a flower farm. There were a lot of flower farms near where we lived and um, I'd done a shift and I was ready to go home and I got my phone, went to call to get picked up and the phone wouldn't dial because the bill hadn't been paid for the phone, I got cut off. And I remember feeling this huge sense of hopelessness because here I was stood in the middle of nowhere, it's on a farm for goodness sake, so I've got to walk home. So it was pretty, it was pretty lousy. And, um, you know, food wasn't always abundant. You know, there were a few things weren't good. But then the thing that I remember in the situations, there were a few things that God had done. And I remember thinking, okay, God, you've actually given us a, a house that we own. So we can't be that bad. Like, God, you've blessed us here. So what I started to do, and thankfully I was in a great church at the time, which, you know, and in the worship team where I was learning these things. But I would just start declaring, okay, God, you've given me and my family a great house. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. You've given us, well, there's food in the cupboard. I'm eating. I'm not starving. It's great. Thank you, God. There's, you know, I've got a room, bed and heating and praise you, God. I've got a great family. Awesome. And a great church. Praise you, God. I've got a great support network. Thank you, God. You put me in a great job. Thank you, God. Praise your name. You give me another job. Thank you, God. Praise your name. And I would just keep declaring these things. Thank you, God. And I keep saying in the situation, thank you, God. I wasn't looking at the fact that it was tough. It certainly was tough. There's no question. But I kept saying, thank you, God. And even though things in the surroundings were still tough, the posture was on God. And then I would say, okay, God, where there is this problem, bring the change. I want to see what you want to do in this situation. Bring some breakthrough. Bring the spiritual wall. I remember calling it spiritual wall. Bring it down. Seven years I declared these things. Seven years constantly. It didn't change. It may have been tough. I'm you know, saying it a lot easier now than back then. But through that declaration, through that posture, guess what? Breakthrough came. Amen. And it came quickly. It came very quickly. I think it was a space of about two weeks, if that from being in one place to a totally different. You know, we were selling the house because we, you know, had to get out and then we're like, okay, we need to rent a place. But then the house had been sold and we needed to settle and we had like a month and we needed to find a house. Like, okay, so, um, and we needed a car because the car was dead and we needed the money to do so. Haha, <laughs> that's fun. So I remember, I think it was a Saturday, I looked up a car sales, saw a great car that was really cheap. I'm like, oh, that looks like a really good car. It was the right brand, the right model, the right color, right mileage and all that sort of stuff so I went out checked it out it was great put a deposit down then on the Monday I think it was on the Wednesday we ended up picking it up because the money came through on the Tuesday then on the Wednesday we were like okay we need a house so let's go and look for a house so we looked up some houses and there was about a dozen that we saw or half a dozen we saw and there was one that um 
that was really great. There was really only one that we really liked. But we couldn't find it. We ended up finding it. And then, so we put in applications. We only got one response for that place. So then we did an inspection the following day. Then we applied for it the day after. Then they were doing the references on the Saturday. And by the Monday, we were signing the lease. And in that particular town, I know for a fact that the pastor of my previous church had to wait months before he got a house in that town, and we got one in days. And the great thing was, it was a brand new house. No one had ever lived in it. They brought the price down, they brought the bond down, and we just moved straight in. And then we got an army of people, and they brought us in. That is the breakthrough, folks. Out of a series of posture of focusing on God and the promises he says and the things he says about you in your situation, he will bring the breakthrough. This is how he works. It works again and again. This is what happens with Joshua. He bows down. He gives himself over to God. And then God gives him breakthrough and strategy. Because we know the wall came down, right? And he's out of that posture. And you know, if you're going through a crisis right now, start posturing yourself towards him. Because when the breakthrough comes, it will come bigger and better than you can imagine. Because you've been partnering with the truth that God said. And the thing is, you can, you know, you'll write down what God does and it won't make sense and it will be so much bigger than you can imagine because God works way beyond we can imagine. Amen? We believe that this morning? One of the, the, the last thing I want to cover before I hand over is the thing that comes after we've waited and we've postured. And this is what Joshua experience here, experiences here. And that is, we need to pursue or receive a healed heart. Now, I just want to preface before I go too further. If, you, if you're struggling with something, you don't feel necessarily too healed this morning. doesn't mean you should not worship. You certainly do need to worship, especially when we come together. It's integral that you keep posturing and you keep worshiping. But there's a great thing that God wants to do for you, and this is what he does to Joshua, and we're going to look at 5.15. The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now we've heard this before. This has happened with Moses. Burning bush encounter. Take off your shoes, the ground you are standing on is holy. And I think this is a very misunderstood kind of scripture and an act in the body of Christ. Because I think a lot of people will actually see it. And I'm not saying you guys see it, but some people see it as take your shoes off because I don't want you to drag mud in, on the carpet, right? God's really nice carpet, you're too dirty, so take your shoes off. But that is pretty well the opposite of what's going on here. Shoes represent our past experiences. And I think what's happening when God is saying to, to Joshua, take off your shoes, he's offering an invitation to Joshua. Take off your plans. Take off your past experiences. Take off the ideas you have for solving this situation with Jericho. Take off the pain that you've had of 40 years in the wilderness. Take off, you know, your hurt and you, maybe your bitterness, disappointment, impatience. Take that off. Give that to me. I want to take it. God is offering an invitation to take the shoes. Now, the onus is on Joshua to actually accept that invitation. And we see right here he does. Joshua took his shoes off. All it says is, and Joshua did so. But that is so important because he is accepting an encounter with God. By taking off the shoes, by taking off the past experience, he's allowing God to minister directly to his heart. This is the same thing that we saw with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had this amazing relationship with God, constantly in communion with God, experiencing him freely, 
And this is exactly the same thing that he's trying to do with Joshua right now, to minister to his heart and to heal his heart. You should want to desire a healed heart because when you have a healed heart, then you'll get your breakthrough. You'll get the strategy from God. Can I share again? Um, I had a couple of amazing moments where this has played out in my life pretty well the same way. And I, my old church, I had just come out of a, a series of pain, painful situations. And I remember there was um, some people that were ministering one day. And at the time, I'd been playing piano in church. That's all. And um, I had been doing that for about eight years. And I got prayed for. And all the pain of the situation that I'd been in just started to pour out. I remember just being a mess. There's tears. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly. It went for 15 minutes. I got to the end of that and I thought, oh, good. It's all gone. It's great. But God wasn't done. God wasn't done because I got back up and I thought, great, I'm done. I can go home now. But then I got prayed for again. And then the joy of the Lord came upon me and I was laughing my head off. This was a traditional church I was in as well. So I can only imagine what the thought was. But I think the joy of the Lord that I now have when I'm up here came from that moment but it was from a healed heart I'd spent all those years those seven years previous posturing waiting posturing so at that moment God was able to go right here you go healed heart now here's your breakthrough and what was the breakthrough that very same week I got a phone call saying we've lost a worship leader and we need you to worship lead I hadn't sung with a mic since I was about 10 didn't consider myself a singer I had to learn pretty darn quick but breakthrough came and now I'm up there, <laughs> which is awesome. Praise God. And then more recently, we've just come back from an amazing trip to Canada. We went, um, Andrew, Karen, their family, Dean, Beck, myself, we went over to Catch the Fire Church, uh, the epicenter of the Toronto Blessing. And um, we had a kind of a pre-conference holiday, which was, you know, we're all very excited about. We're going to New York. We're saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then we had this conference at the end. And I remember the day we went to the conference feeling a little bit nervous, actually. Not particularly excited, actually quite scared, because <laughs> I didn't know what God was going to do. And I kind of went into the room a bit apprehensive as what was going to happen. I didn't quite know what God was going to do, but I just went with an open mind, and God just do. This very principle I'm talking about with Joshua, where he's waited, postured and had his heart healed very much applied to me starting on the very first night very first minute of the conference they started singing amazing worship song and I stood up and you know you kind of if you come to a new church and you kind of don't know what to do because what's acceptable right you stand up look around awkwardly and worship starts and within about 20 seconds of them singing this song the spirit of God comes upon me my heart is just filled with joy but like joy about how great, joy about how great God is. And it just came out as tears. And it just didn't stop for, I think, half an hour, 40 minutes. And I'm on the ground. And again, there's tears, there's snot, it's a mess, it's ugly, it's horrible. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the conference, really. Because after that, then, he's, then Holy Spirit was like, wham, you're going on the ground now. I was bruised from all the shaking that went on. No idea what was going on. Thoughts of what's acceptable in this church are gone in from my head. <sighs> Being whipped around like a rag doll. But in that whole process, God was doing something big. And um, it all culminated. There was one night and I ended up getting prayed for by someone. And there was hurt in my heart I didn't even know was there. Because God knows you more than you know yourself, right? 
So there was pain I didn't even know it was there. And it just started dealing with it. And then out of that, all this junk and all this pain was all gone. Then a great revelation came. I don't know how long this revelation is going to last me for a long time, I think, but a great strategy came. And this is the principle that Joshua is being led in right now. He needed to have a heart that was healed. In the same way that my heart got healed, breakthrough comes after that process. For Joshua, he, he took off his shoes. And it doesn't say any more than that. I kind of wish it did, but I can only imagine that God did a great work in his heart to deal with all the, the pain and disappointment. Just remember, that's 40 years. 40 years of waiting. You stood at the threshold looking at your promise and you just have to walk away. And I think in that moment, Joshua became ready to lead Israel. He became ready because we'll be, um, I'll be handing over to Pastor Andrew in a second, but he was given a, an amazing strategy for amazing breakthrough for Israel. We know what happened, right? The walls came down. So that's what you need to do. Preparation and worship. You need to, you need to wait. You need to posture. You need to pursue that healed heart because the breakthrough is going to come bigger and better than you can possibly imagine. Amen. Amen. So why don't we stand now? I'm going to get Josh before I start to pray over the people and just release the anointing for personal breakthrough in our worship. So why don't you lift up your hands? Go, Joshua. So Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the revelation you brought us right now. We just release the anointing of breakthrough in your situation so you can receive worship right now. We just release a new level of worship in your lives right now that you can see God for who he is in your situation. Father, we just declare breakthrough right now and breakthrough for hearts that are broken, breakthrough for hearts that are confused and lost. And we just say breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough right now. We mm. want to give you a song of praise that, that changes the atmosphere in our, in our surroundings, yes, that changes Jesus. the atmosphere for ourselves, yes, that changes Lord. the atmosphere for our workplace, yes, that Jesus. changes the atmosphere for, yes, for our families, yes. for our colleagues and yes. our finances, where yes. we may have not have seen prosperity. Yeah. We say breakthrough in those places. Thank you, Jesus. And we just say breakthrough in our expression of Amen. worship right Amen. now so that when Amen. things seem tough, Amen. we don't go, this is hard, but we go, this is good. You yeah. are good, God. Yes. We praise you, God. Yes. So I just ask in God right now to release that, that voice of worship right yes, now, the thing give you've you given praise, me, Lord. we just release it right now so that you can declare in your situations how great you are, God. Yeah. More, Lord. Yeah. More, Lord. Yes, we praise you. Why don't we do that right now? We praise you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. You are worthy of the praise. We put you you in the highest place right now. You are so good, God. You You are worthy of the praise. You sent your son to die for us so that we could now sing. And we can now declare that you are God in every situation. There is no area out of bounds for you, God. Every area is yours. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Give Josh an amazing hand. Wow. That was amazing. So we're going to continue. We're going now from personal breakthrough to corporate breakthrough. That as we come together to worship, we both have personal worship, but we come as a body to find the mind of God for our church, for our city, for the nation. Worship is incredibly powerful. And I like to, I guess I'm a 
when I say a big thinker, I don't mean I've got a big head. I mean, I like to think at a macro level that, to me, it's always been, uh, for me, more powerful to think on that scale than as a personal scale. And they're both really important. We can't function as a warrior at a macro level until we really get our personal breakthrough. And we have to learn how to worship. And so I've been like Josh, our paths have been very similar. That when I was a young man growing up and being through a lot of pain, the answer to, to my breakthrough was worship. Scripture in song, you may not know that. It was on a cassette. You may not know what a cassette is. Look it up on Wikipedia. And you'll find out what a cassette is and a reel-to-reel. And, uh, and so what would happen is I would just play that every night as I slept and it was powerful. It began to change my heart. Worship hearts are healed hearts. So look now at uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and nobody came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. We don't have a problem with the devil right now. And all God's people said? Uh, You may not be convinced, but this is what it says. Jericho was intimidated by Joshua, not Joshua, by Jericho. It looked bad, but here's the truth, is that the enemy is petrified of God's people. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. So what, what's, what's the wait all about before Jesus comes? God's waiting for a people that see their true authority. That's what the wait's about. That we begin to discover that the enemy is truly under our feet. And before Jesus returns, there will be a generation that see that the enemy is defeated. It says, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. So the king is the devil and the warriors are every demon. And God says to Joshua, I've given it the devil and every demon, every demonic force and every expression of the devil. I've given that to you to be under your feet. You've just got to see it. And as we come together to worship, it's with a revelation that this city belongs to Jesus and all the expressions of the devil, although they may seem to be overwhelming throughout the week, we've read what the devil's been doing. But when we come together, it's with a realization that the devil is under our feet. And as we worship God, we worship from the posture that we are victorious, that the breakthrough is ours in Jesus' name. Amen. What we do together is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful, because we are decreeing in the realm of the Spirit, like Joshua has, as Joshua has just said, I'm referring to that Joshua, that, that, that our battle belongs to the Lord and it's in the heavenlies. We don't need to force it in our own strength, but it's His strength. So He says, you will march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once, and you will do it for six days, say six days. Say it loud. Better. All right. Don't forget that. Underline it in your Bible because it's really important. Because this chapter, you may or may not know, is a prophetic picture of what has taken place from the beginning of creation to the end. That's what it's all about. It is an actual war, but it is a snapshot of all of history. Understand this and you understand God's plan from the beginning to the end. It's amazing. Right. Verse 4. 
Also, seven priests will carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant. Then on the seventh day, say seventh day, you're getting good, you'll march around the city seven times and the priests will blow the trumpets. That's 13 times in total they have circled the walls of Jericho. Jericho is about eight acres in diameter. They've circled it 13 times, which is a number of rebellion. So they are circling all the rebellious works of the enemy and they're going to be brought down. Amen? Amen. Pretty cool. God's pretty amazing, isn't he? Verse 5, it shall be when they make a long blast with a ram's horn and you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. I'll give you, a, that was like a little, that was just like a, a warm up. So I'll say it again. And that's your t- turn to shout with a great shout. Are you ready? Shall shout with a great shout. Yeah! That was amazing. I'd come just for that. And the wall of the city, which was, I believe, 40 feet high. And I can't remember the exact, I should have it here. But it's about, I think they could ride four chariots abreast down the wall and that wall will come crashing down and the people will go up every man straight ahead you will circle around the city seven times if you're circling then maybe there's a battle that's to be won in you before it's won through you and the reason that they circle the city so many times because God was preparing the people there was a battle to be won in them and then eventually there'll be a battle one through them. What has God been doing for these six days? He's been preparing God's people to win a battle in them so that they'd be able to win a battle through them. All See, God's, God is just amazingly intelligent. State the obvious. But to think that he's spent these 6,000 years preparing God's people so they would win a battle in them and so at the very last moment, God would win a battle through them. That's what he's doing. So when we come to worship together, it's with this understanding that God's doing a work corporately in the body of Christ because he's about to release a shout in the end days that will bring the walls of the devil down. Amen. Have we got a shout? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Verse 11. So Joshua had the ark of the Lord taken around the city. As I said, this whole chapter is a blueprint of Genesis. A day of the Lord is like, one day is like a thousand years. So the six days is a picture from Adam right through to now. It's a prophetic picture of what's taken place. So they circle Jericho with the ark of the covenant. And say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, what's in the ark? It's not just an ark, but it carries some amazing things inside it. But what you've got to realize that on the, at the end, and I'm going to tie this in, at the end of the sixth day of creation, which is a picture of where we are today, three things man had dominion over that God gave him. He gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals on the earth. The fish of the sea, he, he gave the church, the body of Christ, authority to exercise dominion over the people of the earth. And that is not a dominion where we crush people, but we lead them in the ways of the kingdom. He gave them dominion over the birds of the air. The birds of the air 
are a picture of principalities and powers. So he gives us dominion over principalities and power, over people, over principalities and powers, and he gives them dominion over the animals on the earth. And the animals of the earth represent all the possessions of the earth, over people, over principalities, and over possessions. He gives them dominion over these things on the sixth day. They've been walking around Jericho how many days? How many days? Six days. So they encircled Jericho with the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant are three things. Interesting, isn't it? What are those three things? I'm glad you asked me. Well, those three things are, are first we have the, the Ten Commandments. Are there ten? It wasn't a trick question. Ten Commandments. Those t- Ten Commandments are to show us how to govern people. It's, the kingdom of, it's a picture of the kingdom of God unveiled to people. So this is what they're circling Jericho with, with the presence of God which releases through the body of Christ the way the kingdom operates on earth in every sector of society. It's the wisdom of God being released. Are you getting this? In the Ark of the Covenant, there's also the rod of Aaron that budded. It represents power over principalities and rulers and dominions. So they used the rod of Aaron to take authority over all the works of the enemy. The plagues were released. Aaron's rod turned into a snake and ate the snakes of, the, uh, of Pharaoh's uh, magicians. And, and so we see the rod is one of great power. So they're circling Jericho and inside the ark is a picture of God's authority through the church to take dominion over every principality and power. And in the ark is the manna that came from heaven. It's a picture of, of, of the release of prosperity from heaven to meet the needs of God's people. They're circling Jericho with the manna from heaven. So we, see what's been taking place for the last 6,000 years, it's a long time, isn't it? But God's been preparing his people to circle the works of the enemy with the presence of God. I tell people that we circle our problems with the presence of God. And as we worship together corporately, we are releasing God's power in all those dimensions to begin to circle, encircle uh, the, the, the works of the enemy. There was a sound that was released as they began to circle Jericho. The sound of the trumpet playing each day. That wasn't a very good trumpet, was it? The trumpets speak of the prophetic word of the Lord that we've been releasing through our worship, the promises of God, the purposes of God. They've been declared from, from the very beginning. God's plans shall be fulfilled. And as we worship and we say, Jesus Christ, is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's like a trumpet that goes up in the air. And it's a collective sound that begins to encircle the walls of the enemy. It's amazing. But there was a the sound also of the feet of God's people. I believe there was some, some people believe up to 1.5 million people. Imagine the circling of so many people around Jericho each day. The rumbling that was beginning to ascend. It was like a, the air was pregnant with possibility that God was about to move. 
So every time we come together and we worship, something is shifting in the atmosphere and the walls are beginning to, uh, I guess, become intimidated. There's a cracking coming to the walls because the sound is being released in heaven. How powerful is that, hey? Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city. They circled it once and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Well, that didn't work. I worship today and nothing's changed. I turned the TV on and it looked like the devil's still in charge. But Joshua rose up early again in the morning. Praise God for Joshua. I want to say to you today that we are at the end of the sixth day. It's not time to quit. Did you hear me? There's been... People walking in the last six days and they are counting on the end time church to do its job and to, uh, to raise the standard and not quit. This is time to worship the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I say to you, and I've told you many times, worship is not the preamble to, to the word. Worship is not something we do to, to get alive. Like, you know, everyone comes to church attending, they're a bit tired and, we, and, you know, it doesn't matter if we miss it or whatever. Worship is the thing that changes the atmosphere. We love God, we worship Him because we love Him, but we also understand, according to this passage, it's shifting the atmosphere. So Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carried the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, and they went on continually and they blew the trumpet and the armed men went before them. And the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Don't stop blowing the trumpet. Don't stop declaring the word of the Lord over your life and over our church. Can I ask you today, throughout the week, declare the goodness of God, not just over yourself, but over everyone that's in this place today, over our city. Blow the trumpet. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and they returned to the camp and they did so for six days. How many days? Don't stop. Don't stop in the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, or the sixth. They carried out what God had asked them to do. We are a worshipping church. We will not stop worshipping and declaring the word of the Lord. Amen? We're going to give a big shout. You're amazing. Then on the seventh day, and see... This is where we are in history. They rose early at the dawning of the day. Are you getting this? At the dawn of day, they rose early. See, we are right between the sixth and the seventh day in Bible history. Joshua and the people get up early on the dawn of the seventh day. And they marched around the city in the same manner, but they did it seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. That is pretty amazing. Why is that amazing, you ask me? Well, it tells me that on the seventh day there's an acceleration and an intensity that there wasn't on the first six days. Do you agree? First six days they marched once a day. Now they're on the seventh day and they're marching seven times. Seven times. Seven. That's, that's a long march to go around Jericho seven times. There's an intensity. There's an acceleration. Can anybody feel 
in, in, their, in their spirit that there's an intensity that's shifting. There's an acceleration, not just in the church, but even, even the enemy, there's, a, there's an acceleration of darkness. But God has promised us that when darkness rises, that the light will shine. Isaiah says, but the, but, um, Arise and shine, for the light has come. For the glory of the Lord has risen. There'll be deep, d- deep darkness, but there will be a light that shines. There's an acceleration coming to the body of Christ. And I can't help but think that you're here today because God sees in your heart an intensity towards Him. That's why you're here. Not, you weren't born on the fifth day or the fourth day, but you're born for such a time as this. On the breaking of a new day, God is looking for radical worshippers that despite what's gone on during the week, they, they're able to stand up and say, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. And I'm going to release the sound of the trumpet on the seventh day. There's going to be an intensity and acceleration about my life. I don't care what people think. I will worship you with abandonment, reckless worship. I don't care what people think. That's what God's raising up. Radical worshippers. There's intensity here. But it's really interesting that, that the, uh, the Jewish rabbis they, they taught that on the seventh day there was, a, there was an access to the realm of heaven like never before. You see what God does on the seventh day? He blesses the seventh day. He, he gives man dominion. And what he creates, see, a lot of people don't know that God created on the seventh day. They think God only created on the first six. He actually created something on the seventh day which was profound. He breathed into the seventh day a thing called rest. It's a spiritual substance. You read it in Genesis, he creates rest on the seventh day. So what does that mean? We, God's people, are going to understand, I have a conviction in my heart, we're going to understand how to function out of the rest like never before. For what God is going to do on the seventh day will take a rest. See, they march seven times. Seven is completion. It's coming to a rest. It's a full fulfillment of a whole cycle of the timings of God. And so that's what they're doing. They are marching and they are doing it in the rest. Our breakthrough over the enemy, our breakthrough in finances will come because there's a rest that we have entered into where God does the work and we get to watch and believe. Amen. Give God a hand. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at verse 16. At the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout! Well, you think about it, there was 1.5 million people. He had to have a loud voice, didn't he? Shout, please. No! He would have stood on someone's head. You know, he would have got someone big and strong like Lee. Lift me up, Lee. Put me on his shoulders. And he would have said to the, the, the army, Shout! It was a profound moment because for six days, and now on the dawn of the seventh, everything that had taken place, the, the, the trumpets, the, the sound of the feet, everything had climaxed. Revelation says the prayers of the saints, uh, they are kept in a bowl and they're about to be tipped onto planet Earth. 
And the fulfillment of every prayer, every life that's lived before the Lord, everyone that's been martyred for their faith, there's a culmination of everything that's gone before us. So when we worship, it's not just you. There's a, there is a collecting of, of everything that's gone before us. And as we release that sound into the atmosphere, God is going to move powerfully. We are just but one leg of the race. This is the seventh day, but six days have gone before. So they marched around the city seven times. And on verse 16, the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets. Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, so the people shouted. The priests blew the trumpet. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout, and the walls came down flat. They've gone to that site. And they tell us that the walls literally fell down into the earth. And the people went up to the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They took the city. They took the city. It's going to be done. It's going to be done. God will have his way. God is not intimidated by the devil. God's plans shall prevail. They took the city. And they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man, woman, young and old, oxen, sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Our worship becomes more than just a response. It becomes an effect, like a weapon that, is, that takes, the, takes the, the attack to the enemy. It's an act of warfare. King David was a worshipping warrior. He understood the power that as we worship, God releases his holy army. And I have no doubt in my mind that, that in these last days we will enter the rest. And as we worship, God is releasing the angels of heaven to do what only God can do. The battle belongs to the Lord. And it doesn't mean that we don't get out of bed in the morning and go to work and do what we need to do. But there is a, a, a revelation for the body of Christ now that so much more will be done as we worship and enter the rest. And God will send forth the angels of heaven to pull down the walls, the strongholds that cannot be pulled down in the natural. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Worship is a priestly act of sacrifice. But now in the seventh day, it's a kingly act of occupation. They're taking the land. They encircled Jericho and the walls came down. Hebrews 11.30, and I'm finishing with this scripture. We are told that by faith the walls of Jericho came down after they'd been encircled for seven days. Joshua, I believe, was 101 <laughs> when he led this campaign, nine years before his death. What's your excuse? Uh, my back. I don't know if I can go around this again. They trusted and believed that God's presence was all they needed. They trusted and believed that God's power was all they needed. They trusted and they believed that God's promises were all that they needed. And the walls came down. Joshua's, our Joshua has told us this morning, that the walls come down in our life through worship. And it's so true. 
I don't like to be simplistic to people's problems, but here's, the, here's a great truth. That worship recenters our world and gets our focus on Him. I don't want to quantify this as a percentage, but a lot of our problems, I speak from my own experience, are self-inflicted because we focus on ourselves way too much. We worship the God of ourselves. We worship the God of our pain. How do we do that? Well, we just give it so much attention. We verbalize it. So when we see that uh, Colossians 3 says we set our minds on things above, we begin to look to him. So when we worship God, it brings God into the situation and it, re, it, it realigns. It, it doesn't change every circumstance. We can't, God won't rewrite history, but it'll give us a new perspective and take the sting, the pain out. We'll see God's perspective in the pain. That's what worship does. It heals our heart. It brings breakthrough in our life so we become whole, as Joshua has said. Now, worship in a corporate setting is powerful too because it is the thing that brings breakthrough to our city, to our church, to our lives. It's what brings God into the circumstance. We have been on this planet for six days. It is the dawn of the seventh. And God has promised us that the walls shall come down. You go, well, I, I don't know about that. They're pretty big walls. Yeah, that's what Joshua saw as well. That's why the 10 spies came back with a bad report because they worship the walls rather than Jesus. He's greater than every wall. Many people could stand up today and testify how God's brought down the walls in their life. Some of these walls were impossible to come down for man. No therapist could bring it down. No rationalization could bring it down. But the presence of Jesus, an encounter with Jesus, broke the walls and brought breakthrough to our lives. It's the same that's a personal revelation, but it's the same in, in, in a corporate, an apostolic sense, that the walls of our city, of our suburbs, of our workplaces will only come down as we release the sound of the Lord. Joshua, the Lord is with you. O mighty warrior, you may be old and may look impossible, but not with God. Shout the shout of victory over your wall. And watch the walls come down. So when we come together, we're not just coming together haphazardly or coming in like brown cows, which in most churches, that's what happens. People drag themselves out of bed, you know, put on a, a, a lick of paint and, and they get to church. And look, you know, there's a, I'm not demeaning people for that, but there's something so much greater we're in the dawn of a new day where God's giving his people revelation of where we are in the corridor of time to release the sound as we come together. And when we come with that revelation, everything begins to change in our atmosphere. We shout the shout of the Lord. You know, many churches are like, I don't know, I don't like that song. I don't like where I'm sitting today. Oh, the lights are a bit bright. Oh, it's very dark. It's not loud enough, too soft. I don't like what he's wearing. I don't like what she's wearing. Shh. Listen to the trumpets and the sound of God's people assembling together, taking ground, 
have ears to hear and true eyes to see. Get beyond all the natural things. Shh, for six days. Pick up the voice of the Lord and get ready to release the sound of heaven. That's what we do when we come together. Amen? Amen. So Joshua, why don't you come and stand next to me? It was half yours, half mine. Didn't he do a great job? Joshua James, we love him. So I want you to stand to your feet just before we finish. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing of worship that you've put in our lives. Thank you for the voice that you've given us to speak life into things that seem lifeless. Thank you for the voice that we can declare your greatness over every situation. Thank you for the song that you give us, a song to declare victory in the place where there seems to be lack or loss. And Father, we just declare your victory in our situations right now. We declare your name. Whose name? The name of Jesus. We declare your name in our situation. Jesus, Jesus, there is no situation too small or too big that you cannot touch because you are so good and you are so great. And Father, we partner with the things that we cannot see. We partner with what you're doing in the Spirit and we declare your name, Jesus. You are great in our situation and we declare breakthrough in our situation. Thank you, God. Bring the breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen.